You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. The 757 is steeped in high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give local sports the spotlight it deserves every single night. It's the 757 at 6 on ESPN Radio 94.1. 757 at 6, ESPN Radio 94.1. I'm Tim Donnelly, Richie Somerville keeping us up and running. Almost said Richie Vogler which would not – that would be mixing the two that can keep us up and running. Unlike uh, Robbie, I've got no chance of being on the cover of a paper towels like Ronnie. Oh, I get what you're saying. He was wearing that flannel the other day. It made me think – You thought he looked yeah. like the Brawny guy? Yeah. Well, there you go. That gives everyone a, a, something to imagine of, uh, of what Robbie looks like, if, if you're unaware. Brawny guy. I think he'd appreciate that. Um, <laughs> if, if you listen to this show – the seven five seven at six. Often enough, you know there's there's a few things that that I am like a huge proponent of, and one of them is college sports scheduling regional rivalries. Right, if you are in the same town, if you are in the same state, if you're a cross town rival, I think it should be, ma- or even if you are like, you know, a big st- cross state rival, like say Virginia Tech, West Virginia, I think you should. It should be mandatory, mandatory. That you schedule a game every single year in as many sports as possible, right? Part of the the awesome, part of the the wholesome, part of the really really cool of college sports are rivalries, right? I I, I say this often about college rivalries, but it's really the only time when when I don't kind of like balk when I hear someone say we. If you're not part of the program, like my dad says we about the Red Sox, right? If the Red Sox. He grew up in Connecticut, so he's a New England fan for just about everything. But like, if the Red Sox go on a three-game streak, he says, like, we are on a three-game streak. And I'm like, yeah. How many innings did you pitch? But if you go to a school, like if you are a, a member of a university, if you went to a school, if your parents went to a school, for some reason, college sports, I'm cool with it. You can say we. And that makes the rivalries more intense. Sometimes it's a state thing, right? It's like, um, if, if Florida's playing Georgia, it's almost like everyone in the state of Florida says we, or everyone in the state of Georgia says we, so I'm cool with that, but we have an interesting seven, five, seven regional rivalry. That's going to play this weekend. And it's an interesting situation. We have Hampton basketball taking on Norfolk state basketball, but get this, they're doing it in Las Vegas. <laughs> So some of some of the luster is ramped up. Some of the luster is kind of gone, right? Because the the part of the regional rivalry is everyone can go, right? The like, I'm trying to think of the, the best example. Um, we'll we'll go UVA Virginia Tech just because it's in in the area. Also, like if you share a cubicle or you share a wall, your office is next to somebody that went to the other school. You can talk trash. You can you know, hey, the game's a Saturday. But it's even better when it's like, hey, let's get tickets. Let, let's you know get a group and let's go so we can watch and cheer and trash talk. Very hard to do if you are a Norfolk State or a Hampton fan this weekend. right? You might talk trash. You might be like, hey, you went to Hampton, boo. Oh, you went to Norfolk State, boo. But let's go to the game. It's like, well, it's in Vegas. So that's, that's going to take more of, a, more of a commitment, both time and financially. 
if I remember right from last year, I think they played as part of Chris Paul's tournament in Phoenix, if I'm not mistaken. This is Chris Paul's tournament, so so it does make sense. And I don't know the location of it, but this is Chris Paul's putting on an HBCU showcase, like a a classic. And uh, he actually just graduated, by the way, uh, from, I believe, Winston-Salem State. So he's kind of, you know, putting his actions all together with with this sort of deal. So uh, Chris Paul is doing this with the idea of showcasing HBCUs, right? Historically black colleges and universities. So these two teams are paired up as a regional rival all the way on the other side of the country, which I think is just kind of funny, right? I used to get frustrated by this. There was a point in time in high school where I played a, a playoff game against, a, it was basketball, against a team that was probably like an hour away, but we played it like four hours away. That makes no sense to me, never has, never will. Like these two teams could have slept in their own beds, woke up, drove to a, to a gym and played, but instead they're they're probably sleeping in like, I don't know, the, the sands out there on the strip or something. I don't know. Um, but I say, uh, you know, so A, bragging rights are on the line. 757 college basketball bragging rights are on the line, which is big. Um, for, I would say more so for Hampton than Norfolk State, you have an opportunity against a team that's been one of the best at that level of basketball, right? In the MEAC, Norfolk State is the the not a standard bearer, right? They are the team that's that everybody else is chasing. So at that level, that that's a, a good measuring stick for a team like Hampton. Right? Joe Bryan Jr. is a good measuring stick for the best players at that level. Chris Bankston, the same thing. But also, and and this is is kind of what uh you know, we, we were hinting at talking about it being Chris Paul's HBCU classic. Um, sorry, HBCU challenge. I want to make sure I got that right. Chris Paul HBCU challenge is the whole reason Chris Paul puts this on is to create awareness and a spotlight on these HBCU basketball teams with the eventual goal being that they can recruit at a higher level. Right, with the eventual goal being that they can compete against the more traditional powers for recruits. But there's only one way you can take advantage of him providing this showcase, providing this spotlight, and that is to play well. And not just play well, to play in a way that that is entertaining, to play in a way that makes the HBCU community proud, right? Play hard, play, play. Uh, sound basketball, but also make some some highlights, right? The best recruiting tool is excitement. I've been talking about that for a while. It's the new currency in college sports is excitement, right? It used to be maybe money, facilities, winning. Now so much of it is about excitement, right? Uh, do you remember, and, and we'll stay in college basketball, Jeez, I don't even know how long ago this was. 15 years? Uh, do you remember Dunk City or whatever that was? It was uh, Florida Gulf Coast, Dunk Beach. I forget what they called it. Uh, yeah, it was Florida Gulf Coast. and It was right around when – it might have been Dunk City because Lob City was happening in, in, with the Clippers. I think it was Dunk City. Dunk City, whatever it was. But they, they, were, they were this extremely fun, entertaining brand of basketball for a team that none of us had heard before. And they went on an NCAA tournament run where they were throwing lob after lob, dunk after dunk. If that would have happened now, there's no doubt in my mind they would have been the apple of the transfer portal's eye, right? They would have been dunk city, and then every dunker in the world would have said, I want to go to Florida Gulf Coast. They play a brand of basketball that looks really fun. 
Did you look it up? Did we, did we hit it? It was Dunk City. Dunk yes. City. All right. Yeah, that that year they played Georgetown in the tournament. Georgetown yep. was like a two seed. Yep. They beat them, and then they beat uh, San Diego I believe, State. I believe it the was next game. Austin Freeman was one of the better players on Georgetown. It's all coming back to me. There may have been a Patrick Ewing Jr. on that team as well. Just thinking out loud here at this point in time. But my point is this: that excitement in modern college basketball would have led to a much more rapid improvement in their team. Because all eyes were on them. They were playing extremely entertaining brands of basketball. They were having fun. And that would have made them very attractive to anyone in the transfer portal. Now fast forward to this. Hampton and Norfolk State, outside of maybe the conference tournament, and and obviously if, if one of them does make it to the NCAA tournament, and I think Norfolk State expects to be there, hopefully not as a 16 seed this year, after being a 16 each of the last two years. But outside of those you know, very rare end of season, a lot of eyeballs things, there's probably not going to be a game that has more eyeballs on them than this this challenge, this HBCU challenge put on by Chris Paul. So get out and run. Dunk, right? Put up a bunch of threes. If you're up by 10, try to get up by 20. Now is not the time to, you know, lock down the defense and try to win a pitcher's duel. Now's the time to try to take advantage of it for your program, right? Joe Bryant Jr., be the best player on the on the court. And I'm not just saying be the best player, like walk away with the best stats. I'm saying be be the best player, like act like you're the best player. It's it's one of those deals where you're not going to like out UVA UVA. UVA has a monopoly on the pack line defense and winning games 54-47. Like that is their brand. Your brand has to be something that's a bit more pizzazz-filled, a bit, bit more sizzle, because you're trying to, to draw in players that are traditionally above your recruiting level. And Chris Paul is giving you this showcase, but he can't give you the, the product, right? He can book you for a stage at a theater on Broadway, but he can't put the play on for you. You know what I mean? So these two teams going against each other make the rivalry awesome, Right? Make it make make people that are watching you for the first time feel something. Make them want to say, make a recruit that's watching, make a transfer that's watching, make a coach, a high school coach that's watching, say, man, that that Hampton Norfolk State, that's a good time. That looks like something I'd want to be a part of. And those games, I did the basketball games for Hampton for six years, and those were always great games. Oh, uh, yeah. Especially when you're at home, hot crowd, you know, and also when you're on the road with them, also a hot crowd too. So, by the way, they and that's one of the things that got lost in the shuffle when Hampton moved to the Big South Conference, now in the CAA, was even though the teams could play each other, usually it was only once a year after that, after that point. Now they are going to play a second time this year, but it's going to be another non-conference game in Newark, New Jersey. So they're just, they just don't want to play around here. It's going to be in Newark. It's going to be on, according to their information here, it's going to be on TNT. Oh, wow. So they've got a national TV audience for that in uh, something called the Invesco QQQ Challenge. So make those two games fun. And I know it's not fair, right? The, the Blue Bloods, when they're on national television, they just have to worry about winning, right? And if they win, everyone gets excited. But when you're trying to level up, when you're trying to appeal to recruits that are better than the ones you've appealed to in the past, you not only have to win, you have to win and make it look fun. So do it. Hampton, Norfolk State, Chris Paul, HBCU Challenge tomorrow. Should be a fun one. 
This is the 757 at 6 right here on ESPN Radio 94.1. Please follow us on Twitter at ESPN Radio 941. You can also follow me at Donnelly Sports. That's D-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y S-P-O-R-T-S. All of our social media is brought to you by Dominion Floor Covering. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Maury High School, they came up just short of their Class 5 state championship but a couple of them made waves anyway just a few days after. Stick around. The 757 at 6. Putting a spotlight on local high school and college coaches and athletes. It's the 757 at 6 on ESPN Radio 94.1. Seven five seven at six. ESPN Radio ninety four point one. I'm Tim Donnelly. Richie Somerville here as well. So first of all, Maury High lost to Highland Springs in the Class Five State Championship. Highland Springs, they're a little bit of a, a little bit of a train on the tracks at the moment. They they're they're pretty good. Which is the only reason I say it's frustrating is because they're from Richmond. So I guess, you know, 757, that's, that's fine calling them frustrating. Uh, but it's frustrating because one of my college teammates is uh, played for Highland Springs. And uh, he used to say Highland Springs quite often. And we would get frustrated by him. And he would tell us how good they are. And we'd go, they can't possibly be that good. And now they're winning like 5A state championships seemingly every year. So I don't know if he was wrong. He was early, though. Um, <laughs> this was 12 years ago. Um so Maury loses, but, and you can find this article in the Virginian Pilot, Peyton Jones, Kelvin C., I believe is, is how you pronounce his name. Uh, if I'm wrong, I apologize. Signed their letters of intent just three days after the the Commodores lost to Highland Springs. Peyton Jones and Kelvin C. going to Duke and drum roll for this exciting announcement. Kelvin's going to Delaware. My Delaware Blue Hens taking a player from Class 5 state runner-up Maury High School, uh, which is exciting and awesome, and I could talk about that forever, and Kelvin's going to have the time of his life, and he's going to be a part of one of the greatest uh, football traditions in all of college football, and yes, I'm biased because I played at Delaware, but I want to focus on Peyton Jones at the moment. First of all, Peyton Jones is, is a super legit recruit, okay? Uh Class 5, Region B, Offensive Player of the Year, Eastern District, Offensive Player of the Year, U.S. Army All-American Bowl Selection, uh, 2,000 All-Purpose Yards. Super impressive, right? And and in going to Duke, probably a pretty good student, right? And at least by reputation, pretty good student if you're going to that school. So, so kudos to the kid. But I also think it's, it's a it's, – the next step in something that I've been monitoring when it comes to recruiting the 757, and I was was laughed at when I first brought it up, but watch out for Duke recruiting this area. There are certain schools that recruit this area very well, and because I'm I'm greedy and because I'm selfish and because I want football in the area, meaning our region to be to be the best. I root for schools like UVA, Virginia Tech, ODU, William & Mary to, to keep the talent home, right? Norfolk State, Hampton, to keep the talent home. 
But Penn State does just about everything they possibly can to take the talent to State College. And North Carolina and Dre Bly, uh, who is a, a local legend from his playing days and is now an assistant for Mac Brown up there in North Carolina, do everything they can to take the talent to Chapel Hill. And and there was a probably about geez, 10 months ago, uh, I started looking at the way recruiting was going, and I started tracking some of the better recruits in the area, and I said, uh-oh, you might want to watch out for Duke. You might want to pay attention to Duke coming into Hampton Roads, the Tidewater area, and leaving with some really, really good players. And <laughs> let's just say that the reactions were not very kind to Duke. <laughs> There was a lot of Duke, oh no, Duke, oh they stink, Duke, oh, maybe Duke basketball. You know, Mark Williams was referenced. There's no, oh, no, definitely not Duke football. Well, guess what? Peyton Jones is the number one ranked recruit in the Duke recruiting class. Maury, Norfolk, Virginia. Maury High School, Norfolk, Virginia. He is the top ranked recruit in their entire class for the 2023 year. But that's not it. That's not all Mike Elko came to the 7574. If you scroll down a little bit on their recruiting, according to 247 Sports, um, you eventually get to David Anderson, a defensive lineman, another three-star from Kickatan, Hampton, Virginia, committed to Duke. Scroll down just a little bit. Leon Griffin III, Bayside High School, Virginia Beach, Virginia, athlete, committed to Duke. Coran Boyd, Kempsville, Virginia Beach, Virginia, athlete committed to Duke. And and I'm going to say it for the same reason I said it before. It's a guy named Zon Burden. He's an assistant coach that was with Virginia Tech for I don't know, half a decade, it seemed like, maybe even a little bit longer. And he was, in many ways, the point person that got some really good players from this area to commit to Virginia Tech. He's connected. The The high school coaches trust him for the most part, at least it seems that way. And now he is an assistant coach at Duke. And and it's it's one of those deals where if you have a recruiting bed that you are connected to and you are a college football coach, that's really, really good job security and or that's a really, really good resume builder. Matter of fact, I can I can use another personal example. Um, the wide receivers coach when I was at Delaware was, I believe, the quarterback's coach under the previous offensive coordinator. And a lot of times when offensive coordinators shift out, many of the position coaches under them also get shifted out. This guy went from quarterbacks to wide receivers and I remember asking him, like, do you like the new guy? Like, you know, you're you're the only holdover. And guess what? He said, Well, I'm from Yorktown. I was like, I was like, and he's like, Well, if you can prove that you can recruit the seven five seven. This is before I moved here. I, I was from the eastern shore of Maryland, so I knew to trust me, I've heard I had been to games at Oscar Smith Stadium, so I knew what it was. But he was like, Listen, in, in re- college recruiting, there's about 10 areas of the country that if you can prove you can recruit coaches will go, well, I don't really like him that much, or I don't really know anything about him, but I want him on his staff. Right. And that's how he was like, yeah. So I, I got to stay when everybody else was shifted out. And those 10 areas are the ones you're thinking of, right? Like Miami, Houston, LA, Arizona, 
Western Pennsylvania, somewhere in Ohio. I don't, I don't know which spot. Maybe Columbus area, like Pahokee, Florida, Muck City. If you're if you're familiar with the documentary, the seven five seven, probably seven zero three as well here in Virginia. Some good maybe Jersey. I don't. I'm just listing the top recruiting areas now. But but my point is. Zon Burden, when those guys move, you might not think of like, oh, geez, the Virginia Tech wide receivers or the Virginia Tech running backs, I think he was running back coach, were so good. Oh, that's going to be, fe- that impact is going to be felt. But it's like, yeah, okay, but also check his recruiting area. Like uh, um, uh, uh, Hartline. Hartline? Who's, who's the, can you look it up, the wide receivers coach for Ohio State? Brian Hartline? Brian Hartline, that's exactly what remember he played wide receiver yeah, at Ohio he, State. Yep. And, and. He recruits nothing but five stars, but he also cranks out five stars, right? Like he he turns Garrett Wilson and he turns Terry McLaurin and he turns uh, Chris Olave and, and Marvin Harrison Jr. and all these guys from top recruits to top draft prospects. And if he were to leave Ohio State, which I did hear he interviewed for the Cincinnati opening, um, you would think like, oh, they're going to miss out on all of that production from the wide receiver room. Well, you'd also, what you'd also have to recognize is He's also recruiting those guys. So not only do you miss out on the development and the scheming, you miss out on just getting those guys on campus. Right? So so there's like two things that college coaches have to do. And, and, and actually, I'll break it down all the, way with, all, all the way down. To me, when you're a high school coach, there's two things you have to do. Motivate and scheme. Because you don't get to go recruit your players, right? That's... I mean, I guess you could look at the guy that's you know a really good basketball player and go try to convince him to put on pads or whatever it is. But for the most part, you motivate the kids you have and you scheme them up the best you can. Then you go to the college level and there's three things you have to do, right? You have to recruit, get the players on campus, then you have to motivate, then you have to scheme. So college has the most on your plate because by the time you get to the pros, you have one thing you have to do as a coach, scheme. Because if you have to motivate guys that are getting paid what they're getting paid, you don't even want them on your roster, right? So you don't have to motivate. And you have a GM that assembles the the roster, so you don't have to recruit. All you do is scheme. So when you are in college, as a coach, you have to do all three things. You have to recruit and assemble your team. You have to motivate, and you have to scheme. So anytime a coach moves, you have to look at all three of the ways that they can impact, right? When, when uh, Coach O, Coach Orgeron, right? Ed Orgeron leaves a place. Sure, you leave a you you lose a guy that's, I don't know, I guess he can scheme a little bit, X's and O's. But I'll tell you what, that guy's a motivator, and he recruits his behind off. And that's where you end up losing, right? So if you are losing Zon Burden, you have to look at scheme, you have to look at all these other things, and you also end up losing a recruiter. Richie, I see a smirk. Are you are you looking at something? No. All right. I thought maybe somebody sent something in on the text line that was that was worthy of bringing up. Text line is open, by the way. 757-687-9494. So I say all of that to round it out like this. 757, if you if you are a college recruiting expert or coach of another team, pay attention to Duke because they're coming in this area and they're leaving with a lot of really talented players, including the Maury High School's uh Peyton Jones. Their top-ranked recruit in the 2023 class. Speaking of recruiting in the area, ODU got a good one when they recruited Taylor Heineke, right? He's got a pretty big game on Sunday. We'll talk about it coming up next. The 757 at 6. 
every weeknight, giving you all you need to know about high school and college sports in the 757. It's the 757 at 6 on ESPN Radio 94.1. 757 at 6, ESPN Radio 94.1 on a Friday. Let's get weird on a Friday. Huh? I was talking with a buddy that that tracks NFL football as much as anybody. And he started talking to me about Heineke. Now, obviously, in this area, Heineke, that name carries a lot of weight. So I said, yeah, he's a good player, all these sorts of things. And and he goes, what do you think, $100 million contract this offseason? And then I knew he was joking, and I went, okay, all right, I get what you're doing. And then he goes, no, seriously, I think you could talk realistically if he takes him on a little playoff run, meaning into the playoffs, about three years, $75 million. He goes, now, obviously, there would be very little guaranteed beyond the first year, but you're looking at like $20-plus million guaranteed for the first year. And I went, Really? Because sometimes I almost think we have to like walk ourselves back because we're too close. I talk about this with fantasy, right? I always think the players that are on my fantasy team each year are way better than they actually are because I pay attention to them, right? The the, the best example I have is, and I've used this before, but I'll, I'll give it to you again. Allen Robinson, when he was on the Jags, when he was c- catching passes from Bortles, If you would have asked me, I would have said Allen Robinson was probably the second best wide receiver in the NFL because I watched the games because Robinson was on my fantasy team and I saw all of the passes that Bortles missed when he was open. And I was like, you don't understand. If if Bortles was on target, Allen Robinson would have 2,000 yards receiving. He's everyone except Calvin Johnson. But what I wasn't doing was watching all of the games for the other wide receivers and accounting for all the times their quarterback missed them or accounting for the fact that they had running games that worked, so they weren't passing as often, or the fact that those Jags teams were always down 30, so they were always throwing it downfield, right? I, I was just, I was in my bubble. So occasionally, like talking about someone like Taylor Heineke, I think, you know, we're in the market of his college. ODU is right there. We are the flagship for ODU athletics. So we talk often about Heineke. When he has a good game, we remember it. When he has a bad game, we can explain it away. Well, the blocking wasn't great. Well, the play calling wasn't great. Well, the running game didn't get going. On and on and on and on. Things that we don't necessarily do for other quarterbacks. So to hear somebody that is not in any way associated with this area say, yeah, if he makes it on a run to the playoffs... A one-year, essentially, right? It's a three-year deal for $70 million, whatever he said. But it's essentially a one-year deal with two team options for the next two years where you're making 20-plus mil. <whistles> right? And I was like, there's no way. Right? My, my, my first thought was I need to walk it back. I need to make sure we're not getting carried away. I need to make sure we're not getting proximity. We just watch him more. And I started thinking. How often is it where a quarterback takes a team to the playoffs and doesn't return the next year as their quarterback? Other than the weird situations like, you know, a trade demand by, by a, you know, a superstar or something like that. You know, actually, no, because even Russell didn't make the playoffs, right? Did Brady make the playoffs in his last year with, with, with 
Like those, it has to be those kind of crazy situations would be the only the only reasons. It's very rare where you have a guy who isn't a superstar that can kind of name where they want to go that makes the playoffs and doesn't return. I was like, okay, so if Heineke makes the playoffs, chances are he'll be back. And then I was like, well, what's the minimum that you could sign a starting quarterback to? And it's probably like, you know, 18 million, something like that, right? Like like fifth-year options are up there in the high teens, and that's considered a bargain when you have them on that. And I, and I still, I was I was skeptical. Right? I, I was still going, wait, I need I need you to to try to pick this argument apart to my to my friend that's that's from from outside the market because 20 million is a ton of money. And he said, "Well, could you let him walk?" I was like, "What do you mean?" They were like, "If if Washington makes the playoffs and they're not a team that makes the playoffs a lot, right? I mean, they they did make it whatever it was 2 or 3 years ago when when Heineke started the playoff game against Tom Brady, but they had a losing record in that season. So it's the, the, having an above 500 record and making the playoffs. How often does that happen for Washington? Not not that often. Okay, well do you think that the fans would by any stretch allow you to have the most success you've had in a long time and let that guy walk? And I was like, "Yeah, probably not." He goes, "And do you think Heineke's agent is smart enough to know that?" And I was like, yeah. Don't you think that sounds like pretty good negotiating power? And I was like, yeah. And do you think Terry McLaurin would want him back? And I was like, yeah. And do you think that defense would want him back? And I was like, yeah. And there's a lot of yeahs coming out of my mouth. And suddenly I, I, I was on board. And I'm going three years, $75 million, one year guaranteed with a roster bonus that kicks in or, or uh, uh, you know, the second year becomes guaranteed, first of the league year after next year. I had the whole contract drawn up. I had the whole thing drawn up. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what is the last hurdle that I can't get over. It's the size. I don't know if they can wrap their heads around giving starter money, even if it's bottom starter money, but starter money, $20 million, to a guy that that is not physically something special in an obvious way. Right? Even someone like Kyler Murray, who is a smaller dude, physically, like that speed, that is something obvious. Right? Obviously, the the you know, the 6'4, 230 laser rocket arm guys. There, that's obviously physically talented. Taylor is not obviously physically talented like that. And I wonder if a team could cut that check to that guy. And that is the last hurdle. Again, we're assuming they go on a run and make the playoffs, which Sunday night is a must win in my mind to make the playoffs. If they beat the Giants this weekend, I think it's time for that agent to start drawing up different contract negotiations. Like it, it gets to that level. And and it all comes down to to the mental hurdle to get over that. And I don't think it's an easy mental hurdle to get over. By the way, speaking of Kyler Murray, this just popped in my head and I think it's funny. I saw somebody on Twitter say that he runs like when he's escaping the pocket and scrambling. Like a toddler that just grabbed the remote. Right, real little short strides. Maybe it's just fresh in my mind because uh, you know, I have an almost two-year-old who grabs the remote and takes off, and and it's it's kind of perfect because you can't catch him. He's quicker than you, lower to the ground, low 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 center of gravity, short strides, and he's just on the move. 
But again, that's an like his physical ability is obvious. Taylor's is less obvious. It's more nuanced, right? You have to watch like seven games to kind of get a feel for what he can do. And you need to have a couple opportunities for that Heineke magic to kick in. And, and that is, I mean, to me, that's the last frontier. If somebody, if it's Rivera or if it's the Martys up in the front office or if it's whoever's making the decision, maybe it's it's offense coordinator Scott Turner, whoever it is, if they can get over the mental hurdle of cutting a 20-plus million dollar check for one year plus you know an additional couple years of, of contracts, kind of whatever, make it work, if you can get over the mental hurdle of giving that to a guy who could walk into a room and be not the first guy people assume is an NFL quarterback, then, yeah, I think he's going to get a big contract if they make the playoffs. But that's a big hurdle. right? I was just talking to someone at the office who um, I believe was at ODU at the same time that Taylor Heineke was there, and he said he like worked for some kind of media or something, the their pro day. And he was like, I'll tell you what, he did good at all the drills, but he is not a big guy. And I was like, that's kind of what everyone's response is when they see him in person for the first time. It's like, a, it's like, wow, you, you, I mean, you're a good quarterback. I like watching you. You're scrappy. But, man, you are a not as big as I thought you were type of guy. You're not physically imposing. And if you had $20 million and you are giving it to an athlete, wouldn't you kind of want physically imposing? <laughs> just would make you feel better about it. You just want somebody that, like, when they shake your hand, their 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 like their palm goes halfway up your forearm just to make you feel better. Frying pans for hands, just make you feel better. It's a seven five seven at six ESPN Radio nine four one. None of it matters if you don't make the playoffs. So that's kind of the the mindset he's taking. I'm, I'm going to assume. And I appreciate the texter that said that's a lot of Jays because he buys the the Jordans after each win. You get twenty million dollars, you can buy a lot of sneakers. That's a lot of sneakers. He should just get some money green ones after he signs the contract rather than the, the colors of the team that he beat. Uh, and also this one, Richie, I'll, I'll ask for your help here. Does Bledsoe count? Because I, I said, when's the last time a quarterback led a team to the playoffs and then wasn't on the team the next year? Does Bledsoe count? Hmm. I don't know how quickly he bounced off. Was he, was he there that next year? Well, I've got Brady's record here in front of me. So in 2000, the Patriots... That was his rookie year on the team. New England was five and eleven. Five and eleven. The well, the, the year the year before Brady oh, took over, they went to the Super Bowl. So wait, the Bucks were is what you're saying? I'm confused. Say it again. I was reading the text. Oh, okay, uh, we're talking about New England, right? Yes. Okay. The last year Brady was in New England. Oh, the last year Brady was in New England. Uh, so they they made the playoffs. They were twelve and, he, and four. So yes, yeah, they, had they, they made, made the, playoffs. the playoffs, and then he left. I think that's the most recent example. But comparing Brady's situation to Taylor Heineke's situation, not the same. Uh, by the way, the texter from the seven five seven that said, "Tim, are the Commanders going to get their head around giving twenty eight million to Carson?" Uh, yeah, because he is physically imposing. Because he checks those boxes, it's easier to give those guys big money. That's what I'm saying. That's the that's the last hurdle. That's the last hurdle. 757 at 6 ESPN Radio 94.1. We'll be back with more coming up next. The 757 at 6. All over Hampton Roads. For the best in local high school and college sports talk, it's the 757 at 6 on ESPN Radio 94.1.
Seven five seven at six ESPN Radio ninety four point one. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at ESPN Radio nine four one. You can also follow me at Donnelly Sports D O N N E L L Y S P O R T S. It's time to pay off something that we were uh, talking about earlier in the week. Payoff, right? You talk about it. You got to come back and revisit it. See how it played out. I've been talking. Ever since the transfer portal opened up 11 days ago, which, by the way, uh, as of Wednesday, when we talked with uh, Dr. Woodseely, go to athletic director, so we're, we're two days back on the numbers, said there were 13,000 names across all sports that had been put into the portal, and that was eight days after it opened up. No, sorry, bad math. Nine days after it opened up. So ever since the transfer portal became what it is now, and it is no joke, I've been been coming up with this theory or developing this theory, buying more and more and more into this theory that the number one thing you can have in college sports is excitement around your program, right? And, and it doesn't necessarily have to be excitement because you won, although that could be it. It doesn't necessarily have to be excitement over new money, name, image, and likeness deals that are being signed, or big, new, fancy facilities, although that might be it. I I don't care how you get to it. It's what is, like, for lack of a better term, the vibe around your program. And if if there is just an excitement, it doesn't matter what you did recently. If there is an excitement, people will be willing to buy in. And and we talked about this with ODU. ODU is going to have to hit the portal, I believe. We'll see. Maybe they they just go straight high schoolers. But you know, when you when guys like Blake Watson and Ali Jennings go into the portal, I think you need to bring in some veteran uh, replacements, some guys with some experience. Whether they're coming up from from a, a lower level or down from the Power Five level, looking for more opportunity, whatever it is, I think they're going to have to hit the portal. Now, how do you get guys out of the portal? You build excitement, you convince them of excitement, and you let the excitement do the work. And, and one of the examples I used earlier in this week, and this is what we have to pay off, is Ollie Jennings went from ODU and he's now committed to Virginia, Virginia Tech. And when that news broke, we talked about it here on the show, and many texters, rightfully so, right? I consider it a rivalry, so twist the, the, the knife when you can, right? Metaphorically. Uh, many texters said, you know, I would have guessed he wanted to go to a better program. Ha ha ha, Right. ODU has beaten Virginia Tech this past year. So why would he make that trip? And there were a lot of jokes, and I liked them. But what I also pointed out was Virginia Tech has a bit more excitement right now. And part of that reason was because they had gotten Chiron Drones out of the transfer portal earlier that day. He was the sixth-ranked quarterback transfer in the portal, according to 247 Sports. And if you look at the top, it's it's guys like Devin Leary, it's guys like DJ Uyunglele, guys like uh, uh, Hudson Card from Texas. So there's some big names at the top. He was number six. It's pretty good. He goes to Virginia Tech, and I said, that's going to build excitement. Quarterback recruits build excitement. It's why so often coaches want their quarterback to commit early so then they can become, like if, if you're looking for a quarterback in the class of 2025, you might be hoping that they commit soon so then they can become recruiters, right? So at every camp, they can be going up to the wide receivers that they like saying, hey, man, we we just did really well at this camp. Why don't you join me at XYZ University and we can have really good careers, right? It's all about building excitement. Chiron Drones 
goes to Virginia Tech. And I said, that's probably a large reason why Ollie Jennings wants to go there. He feels good about where their quarterback position is. Here's the payoff. Ollie Jennings goes there. Since then, just in this week alone, Virginia Tech has signed Chance Fitzgerald, a wide receiver that chose them over a whole bunch of big-time offers. He's the second-rated recruit in their class. Aiden Green, another wide receiver with a whole bunch of other offers. He's the number three-rated recruit in their class, committed this week. They also got Jeremiah Coney, a running back, to commit this week. That's the kind of thing that you're looking for. Once you get the excitement ramped up, then you go and try to grab as many recruits as you possibly can. You grab a stud wide receiver from ODU out of the portal. You grab the two highest ranked wide receivers in your class out of the the high school ranks, all because you got a little buzz. It doesn't take much to get the ball rolling, and now they're like buzzworthy, right? Now their national recruiting ranking has gone from 55 into the top 30 in a week. And part of that is because of the two transfers, Drones and Jennings, but part of that is because they used the the buzz from one transfer to get another transfer. And then they used the buzz from those two transfers to get a couple big-name high school recruits. And if they're smart, they're using the buzz from the big-name high school recruits to get more transfers or more high school recruits. And you do that until your program is where you want it to be. And keep in mind, Virginia Tech is not recruiting off of their wins <laughs> mostly because there weren't many right they had the longest losing streak in like 50 60 years but somehow they were managed they managed to manufacture some buzz so if you're ODU and you're like geez we ended the season on a six game losing streak and and two of our guys are in the transfer portal that we really really wanted back they're big names offensively and Zach Koontz is going pro okay I mean don't get me wrong, the challenge is difficult, right? Overcoming all of that is not easy. But you got to manufacture some some excitement somehow. Right? You got to you got to find a way to get the the buzz meter up. And then once you do that, who cares what your record was last year? Right? Matter of fact, use that as buzz. Right? Go go find the best wide receiver and running back you can possibly talk to and start telling them how many carries and how many yards are vacated in your offense and looking for a home. Right? You, you, if you're a wide receiver in the portal right now and you're at some power five school and you feel like you haven't been given your opportunity, you're more talented, ODU can walk into your living room or, or text you and say, listen, we had a guy who we thought or still think is going to be an NFL wide receiver. And he was catching a thousand yards per season on average. And that's including some, uh, an injury that missed a whole bunch of games. He left. We need somebody to play that role. Are you interested? That's buzz. That's excitement. Heck yeah. I want to go and and catch for a thousand yards a season minimum, (laughs) right? And then once you get that guy to come, then you go find a running back and you say, hey, listen, we we got a running back who left. He was a big part of our offense. We already have the wide receiver that's going to open up the running game for you. Hey, you want to come play? That's how it's going to be from now on. The portal giveth and the portal taketh smooth, right? It's going to be quick. It's going to be in and out, ebbs and flows. And, and how much excitement you can build around your program is going to be a big, big part of how much talent you can bring into your program. From the 972, they text in, 
I'm surprised there isn't more success in the portal. I hear that unless you are a huge name that the success of the portal isn't there. It depends what you're looking for, and it depends why you're leaving, and it depends what what pedigree you have. If you're a former four-star recruit, there's going to be somewhere for you to for you to land. Does that mean just the big names? Uh, there's a lot of four-star recruits out there, but I also, you know, if if you were a group of five recruit, and I say that because knowing I was a zero star, so let's not get, you know, I'm I'm allowed to say it. If you were a zero star and you went to the group of five and you didn't play for three years, I'm not sure you should expect your recruiting ranking to go higher, right? You just have to be realistic with yourself. If you go into the portal, be realistic with what your your market's going to be. Guys like Ollie Jennings, they knew there was going to be a market there, and they were realistic with themselves. It's going to do it for us here on the 757 at 6 for uh, for the week. We'll be back on Monday, of course. But I want to make sure everybody enjoys their weekend. Stay safe out there. Enjoy Heineke on Sunday Night Football. If you have the ability, check out that Hampton-Norfolk State basketball game tomorrow. Uh, We'll obviously have uh, a whole bunch of play-by-play and coverage of everything right here on 94.1. Richie, thank you for keeping us up and running. And we will be back next week. Have a great weekend, everybody.